0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. This is the God who is everywhere. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, where can I go that you're not? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. If I go left, if I go right, you're there. Point A is going to represent us close to God Point B is going to represent where some of us on occasion hang out. The space between is what we call distance. Now, this God who is everywhere can see everyone. Write this down in your notes. He sees everything, but his eyes are right on me. He watches you sleep. Did you know that? How romantic ever seen a movie where, where, where the, the guy says, I sat on the edge of the bed all night and watched you sleep? And, and, and women are getting Kleenex, oh my gosh, you know. And, and the reason that's a romantic thought is because it simply says, I want to be where you are. It's when you're dating, you remember that, some of you have dated before and you don't want to hang up the phone because you want to hear the other person breathe. Oh, how things change later. We call that distance, huh? huh? I just want to be where you are, baby. Wherever you are, honey. Oh, I can't wait to get off work. I can't wait to get out of class to see you. I can't, I just, I just, I just can't wait to get to the internet so I can see your face. I can't, I can't wait to do FaceTime with you or Or Skype, oh my, look at you. And then later on, what's this called? Distance. Yeah, distance. The danger for most of us uh, in the 1045 service, not 915, is that we desire feeling good more than we just desire God. Years ago, I sat with a couple, sorry, we're in mixed company, I'm going to say it anyway. I sat with a couple who was having marital problems, and I couldn't believe she said this to me, and I can't believe I'm going to say it to you. She said, when we go to sleep, I don't know if he wants it or he wants me. You, you figure that out, right? See me after service, I'll tell you what it is they had grown into a place of distance. We calculate distance, we have tape measures, we have yardsticks, we have those little measuring wheels. We now have laser beam. I point here, I point to the back wall and it tells me the distance. You remember if you're old like me, how far the 100 yard dash was, how far was it? 100 yards. Do you know how far a hundred meter dash is? No, don't say a hundred meters. See, the hundred yard dash has a hundred yards. And I was in school that day when they said it's three feet to a yard. So we pretty much know it's 300 feet. Isn't that easy, math? Then they came up with meters. So how many, how, how many yards is the hundred meter dash? You all know, right? How many feet? 328.08. Bill, I put this in for you. Just for you. How many inches in the 400 meter swim? (laughs) How many inches? Come on. You should all know this. 50,748.03 inches. Write that down, Bill. We all know our beloved friend, Josh Pernot. he swum that race before. So he went 15,748.03 inches. Hey, how far between point A, Lompoc, and point B, San Francisco? Well, it depends, Pastor, which freeway you take. If you use the I-5 as part of your course, it's 348.6 miles. If you use the 41 and the 101, it's 384.1. You all know that now. What's the distance between you and God when you're running from him? Somebody says with Shakespearean voice, God is never so far as to be near. (laughs) And someone else says, I saw it on a bumper sticker once, if God is far off, who moved? Hmm. But when we do move from God, how, how far is the distance? If God is with us, but we feel distant from him, how far away is he? Now, in your notes, you can write this down. This is true about all relationships. Distance can become a reality of any relationship, and it creeps in while you're not aware. You ignore your friend. You don't respond to their Facebook post. You don't text them back immediately and distance you don't acknowledge your spouse. You're watching sports and they're talking to you about something important and you don't hear a word they're saying, really. Uh-huh, babe. Uh-huh, babe. Uh-huh, babe. Honey, I want to feed you to the lions. Oh, that's great, babe. Right, Go right ahead. Because there's distance, right? Distance. You understand this. It can creep in into any relationship. My friend Leo Tobia wrote in my yearbook a whole page to my best friend ever, Bernard. That's my real name. We have gone through kindergarten. We have gone through middle school or junior high back then. We, went, we survived Mrs. Yeske. <laughs> That's another story. We survived student body government together. We are best friends for Ever. I saw him two times after we graduated. I saw him then again at our 10-year reunion. I didn't see him again. But I heard about him five years ago. Leo passed away. But we were, we were according to the document, best friends forever. Some Lompoc High cheerleaders a few years ago, I saw that they took a bench and they painted all their cheer names on it. The best cheer squad ever. Friends forever. Pinky swear friends, blood sisters forever, and they painted it on the bench. You will never forget that we were the cheer squad until the custodian painted right over. (laughs) By the way, my kudos to the Lompoc Braves. I was at the game the other night. My goodness. That was, somebody said, well, are they really that good? The answer is Yes. They put in the second string and the third string. They put in a couple freshman dudes and we still were scoring against a team from LA. I got to, I got to. And I know if you're from the Conks, I can talk about the Braves now because the Conks aren't going to CIF. So, but, but they, next year. <laughs> they did back in 97. My son was a junior and played on the team. I just want you to know. They beat Lompoc that year too, I think one other time since. Just want you to know, Uh, 97 to 2 or something like that. Okay. I'm distancing myself from some of you now, see? Would you, uh, if you have a Bible, go to Isaiah 53, and um, I'm just enjoying talking with you. Thank you. And now we'll start preaching. Isaiah 53, 6. You know what we're like? Well, let's read it together. Ready? Go. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything you've done wrong on Him, on Him. Isaiah is writing, we talked about this last week, he's writing 700 years before the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come. And he's writing to people in Isaiah 53 about the coming of the Messiah, and he's setting up the reason why the Messiah has to come, because we're like sheep. Now, I don't have time to talk about sheep too much today, but sheep are lost without a shepherd. And sheep are, excuse the Latin word, sheep are dumb. I've talked to shepherds, real ones, sheep are dumb. And they're top heavy. They got little legs. And if they fall on their back, they'll paw at the air to no avail because eventually all the blood will run out of their legs into their heart and it will actually flood their heart and they will die until the shepherd comes and puts them on their feet again. And we have gone astray, we've been caught in the thicket, and we've fallen in holes, and we have done it because it's our own way. We are the distance creators with God. So God comes and piles all our wrongdoing, even our distance that we create, on Jesus. And you're going to say to me, Yeah, but Psalm 139 says that God is everywhere. Where can we go that He is not? Can I ask you this? Have you ever been in a car with somebody? You're driving, they're in the passenger seat. You're in the passenger seat, they're driving, and felt distance. Have you ever? Oh, I've been with people, man. After something bad happened, my mama, when she picked me up one day from uh, junior high, I'd done something bad. She drove home the whole way, and I could feel the distance. I said something stupid only once, but something stupid to Debbie, my wife. And on the way home, I could feel the distance. I let her drive too. I could feel the distance. You ever sat in a room with somebody and feel the distance? You're two feet away from, five feet away, and you feel the distance. It's something that we create, and distance can creep in one step at a time, especially with God. You don't believe that there's distance? We were born to wander, says Isaiah. Ask any parent of a young toddler who's just figured out how to run away from mommy and daddy. I, I saw it out here a few weeks ago. Cliff, are you here? Cliff Culver, are you in here? This service? Maybe he'll be in the next one. I got to tell you, I saw little Caleb Culver showing Cliff how fast he is. <laughs> and Cliff said, come over here and say hi to Pastor B. And Caleb came over and looked at me and took off. He was at the other end of our little parking lot in front of him. He was gone. Cliff said, uh, Caleb, and Cliff's moving, right? He's, he's moving, right? Caleb's moving the other way. And I said to Cliff, you know what he's doing? Well, yeah, he does that a lot. We're trying to get him. No, you know what he's doing? He's doing what he was wired to do. All of us are wanderers by nature. It's the kid who runs down the street who runs away from home. And they're at the end of the block, and, and you know they got their suitcase, right, and 40 cents, and, and they're going to run away forever. It's what we do. And I want you to see the, the, the simple tension points that we have. On one side, we have wandering from God, and the other side, we have wanting to be close to God. And I think both of these are alive inside our soul. We want to be with God. He created this God shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. He placed, as the psalm says, eternity inside of our hearts. But man, we want to do our own thing. The great theologians, Fleetwood Mack, <laughs> said, You can go your own way, right? Right? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's about a relationship that has distance in it. And uh, I won't give you all the words, they're not that redemptive. There's a duality of wandering. And it's not just a kid thing. It's not just a toddler thing. It's a human adult thing that we just, we want to be able to have our time to ourselves. We want to be able to to do the things we want to do with our pleasure. We want to be able to spend money how we want to spend it. It's my life and and I'll do what I want. That's an old song. I want to hold on to things from my past. I don't want you to redeem it totally because I have become friends with some of the trauma of my past. I don't want to let memories go. I, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to forgive my third grade teacher. I don't want to forgive my high school coach. I don't want to forgive my first husband or first wife. I don't want to forgive my neighbor. I want to hold a grudge. And God comes and He wants to deliver us. But see, the grudge and the offense and the pain and the hurt create distance where there's not this intimacy with God and intimacy with others. In 1758, Robert Robinson wrote a hymn of the church. Many of you may have heard it or sung it. It says, Come thou fount of every blessing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my what kind of heart? Wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander. See, Robinson knew what we do. We're prone to wander. We're prone to leave the God I love. It's a tension. I want to be close to him, but I also want to do my own thing. I want to wander. He wants me on point A, but I, I like being on point B. And every once in a while, I'll just just move a little closer to him so I can feel a little better about who I am. Maybe I'll come to church and I'll, I'll worship and woo, it's good. And then I'm going to go back over here because it's Tuesday. Or maybe I'll say no to sin and I'll feel really good about myself. May I'll say, say no to my, my hurts and habits and hang ups and, and, and God deliver me and keep me clean and sober and have me have right thoughts and let me not beat the cat. And then I'll come over here and kick the dog. Is anybody, besides, am I the only one that deals with this? Oh, Lord, I love you. I repent of all my wrong, come on. I repent of all my wrongdoing, God. Heal me, transform me, renew me. Oh, Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way inside of me. Hallelujah, Lord. I feel so close to you. But, Lord, the wicked way inside of me is kind of rising up in a little bit of distance. Because after all, God, I don't want to be too committed to you. Because you may ask me to do things I really don't want to do. With people I really don't like. With money I really don't have. Hmm? Isaiah understood this. By the way, King Uzziah is the king of Israel at the time. You can read about the, in the kings, of first and second kings, and you can read that some were close to God, and then they distanced themselves. Uh, king Uzziah started very close to God and then ended up, at the end of his leadership, being filled with pride, and God resists the proud. And distance happens. The nation of Israel time and time again in Scripture is seen in the reality of wandering hearts. We even call it the wilderness wanderings. And sometimes they would stop and lift their hands and say, God, thank you for how you delivered us. And sometimes they would actually worship the gods of the enemies they just defeated. They create more distance. And Isaiah is lamenting over this reality. He's capturing this profound truth of the human condition, and it is alive in all of us. And 700 years before the Messiah comes, he says, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, surely he took up on our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was sacrificed for the distance we create, and the punishment that brought us peace and unity with God was put on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So I want to take you uh, to the story in Mark 5. It's fascinating to me, and if we had a couple hours, we'd talk about all of this stuff in Mark 5, but... It says in Mark 5, 2 to 5, with with Isaiah kind of in the back of our minds, Jesus got out of the boat and a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. Uh, By the way, these tombs were actually caves where there was sheer cliff drop-off to the edge of the water, so it would be difficult to get up to these tombs. And this man lived there and no one, notice this, no one could bind him anymore. The impure spirits or the demonic activity in his life was so strong that no longer could anybody chain his feet or his hands to keep him from breaking those chains. No one could bind him. And he often was chained that way, but he broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and he would cut himself with stones. The girl in the story in the video was cutting herself to feel something. I talked to somebody not too long ago who was a cutter, and they said they cut themselves to mutilate their body, and they cut themselves to have a different kind of pain. They have the emotional pain, but this is not at least, okay, that's a different pain, and it diverts from the pain in here to here, to here, or to their leg. This guy was cutting himself on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. No one had value in him any longer. He's totally distanced from everyone. He's tormented and he's far away. I began to think about this guy, and I don't want to over spiritualize, but I wonder how many of us have conditions like him, where first of all, he's isolated, second of all, he's bound up, third of all, he can't get free. And I just wonder do we have places? that are off limits to God? Let me just ask you that question. You might want to write it down on the side of your note. It's going to be a homework assignment later. Do we have places in our lives that are off limits to God? Lord, that secret sin, you can't go there. I'm not going to, Lord, I'm not going to bring those thoughts over to you. I'd like to keep them right away, safe distance. Attitudes, prejudice, criticism secret thoughts, your memories where Jesus wants to heal them, but they become your friends because you're just used to them. That's your normalcy. And I like to commiserate about my past, and I'll find other people who want to talk and, and bring up their past, and we'll all have a pity party together and keep our distance from the healer who can deliver us from those things. man. And isn't it odd that people run from God, the God who made them, the God who sustains them, the God who gives them breath. They make all kinds of excuses for the distance. For example, like, who would ever want to go to a church? There's a guy in this town, every time I see him, I sure like what your church does, but I would never go there because you're filled with hypocrites. And that becomes his distance excuse from God. So I told him one day, after hearing his rhetoric for five years, I said, don't come to church. We don't want you there. Hang on. But go to God because he wants you there. Forget us for a moment. We are a bad representation of God. We are hypocrites. Hupa, we make one promise and keep another. Distance. We do. We, we make two promises God, I will never fail you. And then we do. Lord, if you heal me of this flu, I will read my Bible every morning. And then we don't. Come on. You, you've been there. I, I'm just telling you what I've experienced in my own life. And I told him, I said, then forget the church. There's 50 of them in the Lompoc area. Forget all 50. We're all horrible representations of God. But how are you and God doing? Don't let us be the excuse for your distance. You go to God because he's waiting for you because he's passionate to be with people. He will cross the sea just for you because that's what he does for this man. And I begin to explain to my friend what is number two for you, that God's heart is not to create distance, but closeness. He loves to be with us. Ephesians 1.5 says his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us where? To himself. Through Jesus Christ. Isaiah prophesied about him. And this gave him great pleasure. So when my friend finally comes to God... God will smile. It will give him great pleasure. When you got saved and you gave your life to the Lord, or if you haven't committed to Christ yet, or haven't had faith in him yet, when you finally do, you will make God smile. And other verses say all of heaven will have a party, a block party. It will be great. The heart of God, listen. Exodus 6-7, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will take, this is the word, possession of you in the right sense. And we will be so close that, 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 that there won't be any distance. We will be right together. We will be so close. God hates isolation. He loves solitude when people are quiet, be still, and know that I'm God, where you're isolated from the world. But with him, he's great with that. But when you say, I'm sorry, God, I'm drawing a circle around this in my life, you have no point of entry here. James 4.8 says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. And, and all you begin to do is just move a little bit, and, and he, he, what does he do? He, he comes close to you. He comes close to you. All we begin to do is move. Lord, here I come. He comes in because God is greater than any distance. Any distance. Man's heart is to hide from God, number three. And we have to fight that tendency. Uh, we talked about God being greater than our past, being greater than our hurt, being greater than our disappointments, being greater than our failures, being greater than we can ask or imagine, being greater last week than our circumstances. And this is the God who helps us to understand that He's greater than our distance. Genesis 3:8: We're going back to our founder. And who our founder is? Adam. And we said a few weeks ago that, that we have a sin problem, a disease called sin, and Adam is the host carrier. And inside Adam is this heart to wander. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. Genesis 3.8 He was there walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees. First of all, horrible hiding place. (laughs) Second of all, where can I go? Psalm 139, where can I hide from you, God? Where, Where can I create distance from you? And for the first time in history, separation enters the garden. Not just sin, separation. Guilt. Shame, broken relationship, they hide from God. Hey, let that sink in. The first response to when we've done something wrong is to hide. The first part when we have done something wrong is to come up with an alibi. You guys don't watch cop shows? He walked in the garden before because he was close to them. He walked every day with them, from what we understand. And the first question that God asks in Scripture, the first recorded question is, where are you? If I was God and I came into the garden and I saw Adam and Eve hide from me, I would say to them, why didn't you listen to me? Why did you listen to a stupid serpent? I gave you the, 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 just, I gave you the limits. Here's, do anything you want. Be fruitful, multiply. Be naked in paradise for crying out loud. Just don't eat a one, just 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 one tree. But God doesn't say any of that. God doesn't slap their wrists. God doesn't shame them or guilt them. God just says, listen, listen, this is important. Where are you? Where are you? He calls to them. Where, where are you? Why? Because he wants them to measure the distance from point A to point B. How did you get where you are? With my love and my my grace. See, this is a highly relational question from a highly relational God. God is greater than the distance that we create. And I raise my hand. You don't need to raise yours because I'm raising it on your behalf. We all have created distance with God, all of us, and God is pursuing them. By the way, if you're in a bad season right now, this is something for you to grasp today. God comes in the garden and doesn't guilt them or shame them. He's pursuing them. Where are you? In other words, I want you to know where you've gone so you know that you've distanced yourself from me because I want to be with you. And God could have just taken all the trees in one hand and pulled them out and said, Neener, Nina, Nina, there you are. <laughs> like my son when he was three years old. He said, Daddy, hide and seek. I said, yeah, okay, bud. And he put his head and his torso under a chair and the rest of his behind was sticking out. You can't see me. Sure. Brian, where are you? I can't see you. Where can you go and hide from God? lady after first service said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, what, ma'am? She said, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to open my heart and raise my hands and tell God he has an all-access pass to my soul. He can go anywhere he wants to go. I'm going to stop running from God. Stop running. Stop running. You're wasting your energy. Because he knows where you are. But do you know where you are? Now, before I end, I've got to go back a chapter, Mark 4. Before they get in the boat and go to the other side, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And he leaves the crowd behind. Jesus has a lot of followers, momentum is rising. So much so, he gets on a boat and pushes offshore. shore, has to speak to them that way because the crowds are too much and he lets the water be his amplification system so they can hear him. Isn't it interesting? He left the crowd. Jesus is God. He knew exactly who was on the other side. One guy who everybody had devalued, one guy possessed of the devils, one guy Whose family was no longer connected with him. Jesus is the only one who thought that one guy had any value. People matter to God. And he goes across, and we see the man coming to Jesus, Mark 5 6 and 7. And he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of the voice These are the devils talking through him, the demons. What do you want Walk with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, in God's name, don't torture us, us, the demons. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him go. And somebody goes, how, how callous was Jesus? No, Jesus is all about reconciliation. He wants him to go home and be with his family. And so the man went home and began to tell how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Jesus desires, number four, to make us different forever. That's what he did with this man. He brought him back to himself. Now, before we, we, we pray, I want you to think where God is off limits to you. I, I want you to, to think where you need to close the gap. Actually, make sure there is no gap. Now, I would take these two cards and put them together, but I need them for next service and I'll, I'll, I'll ruin them. But, but get, the, get the picture that they're together, that you and God are one through the power of His Holy Spirit. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, then guess what? There's a distance between you and God. That's why Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the one who takes care of the distance by dying on the cross and rising again. Hebrews 2.10 says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them. That's you and me. Fit to bring them into their salvation. The heart of God still today is greater than any distance. The heart of God still today is that he would be our God and we would be his people. So here's your homework. Where is there distance between you and God? Are there areas in your soul that are off limits to God? Are there parts of your life where you say, I love you, God, but not enough to give you access here or to give you access to this memory or to allow you to deliver me or to allow you to make me nice to that person I don't want to be nice to? God wants to transform us. Not have us be far away from him, but be close to him. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.